Lords of the Limited is proud to be brought to you in part by StarCityGames.com. Not only are they the home of the top content and coverage on the web, they're also the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies. For more information, visit StarCityGames.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, these are the episodes that feel great. We do the crash course, we do all the work, we do all the planning, and then we just get to vomit out all the information we've learned in our first drafts. You ready to go? I am ready to go. I have uh, been really, really enjoying Ultimate Master so far. I know you have too. You texted me the other day. You said this is a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it really is. Like after GRN, only really feeling like there were five decks, maybe six. Like there are like 30 decks to draft in this format. There's just fun things to do around every single corner. Yeah, for sure. It definitely I mean, I really do think they should have called it Graveyard Masters. There are so many cool interactions. It does feel like there's just a whole other like place to play the game. Like you've got your hand, the battlefield and the graveyard feels like it is fully pimped out in this format. (laughs) It really is. This reminds me most I was trying to think it sort of feels like a cube. And then it reminds me a lot of the twisted color pie cube like a, a powered down version of that a little bit. Interesting. Like because like white has reanimate. Well, what other like things feel sort of flipped for you um that's really the but i I just like that all it feels like all of the color pairs can do all of the decks that are in the format like each one's got pieces to go with all the other colors yeah for sure i agree well so we're just gonna sort of be as Ben, ben said vomiting out our thoughts about the format um we'll take a look at a couple archetypes that we feel like maybe we missed on take a look at a bunch of cards individually rank some some commons in each color and we got to check in on the trophy leaderboard. How are you doing these days? Yeah, I was going to be able to say that we'd done the same number of drafts, but then you just had to go do one more right before we started <laughs> to record. So uh, I've got eight drafts, three trophies in those eight drafts, 18 and six overall record for a 75% win rate. How about you? I have nine drafts, four trophies, 20 and seven win loss and a 74% win rate. I'll just never, never have as high a win rate as you. <laughs> but it's nice. feels nice that we're both starting off really strong. I think that's probably one of the other reasons we're so excited to talk about the format is I think we're doing very well at it. This format is a drafter's dream. Yeah, because it really, I mean, really rewards reading signals and building a deck as you draft rather than building a pile of good cards. Right. And like creativity and flexibility, like you're just always you're never going to like start down a path, get cut and like end up with a bad deck. You can just do whatever you want. It feels like. Yeah. And I think another reason it feels like cube is that it really rewards eyeing like two and three card interactions. Mm -hmm. Like just knowing Mm -hmm. like, oh, I can loop this or oh, this goes well with this or oh, if I get these three things together, then I'm really doing X, Y, Z. Like, I think that's really a thing that I only learn from doing cube drafts. Right, right. All right. Anyway, so we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We, we've got enough gushing, enough gushing. <laughs> we got to talk about the Patreon before we go any further. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is a place to give back to the show if you so choose. The show will always be free, but you know, maybe you've been feeling like you're getting a lot out of the show. You're winning some more boosters on Magic Online or at your local FNMs. Maybe you crushed your UMA draft at FNM and that was perhaps partly due to the crash course and you want to give back. I got to say now is the time to give back to the show so you can get in on the discord right we've got uma drafts we're gonna have cube season coming up if you want to get information on that if you want other like-minded individuals to talk to you about that and then we're going to be getting into spoiler season and as ben has said before the discord is the best place to be at the start of a new format that's when you're going to get the most information from so many people jamming a bunch of drafts you're going to see what trophy decks look like you're going to see a lot of pack one pick ones and people weighing in on their decisions all that stuff is great in the discord we have some higher tier Uh, rewards as well. If you want to give back a little bit more, you can get access to show notes. You can get access to a private feed with us. You can get access to some coaching sessions with me and Ben, which we are now starting to roll out since we uh, redid those those Patreon rewards a few months ago. So that's really exciting for those folks who have, have really dived into our scholar tier on the Patreon, but all that information can be found at patreon.com slash Lords of Limited. And of course, we want to welcome everybody, give them a shout out the first week that they join. So this week, we'd like to welcome Bram, Mika, JJ, Andre, Molly, Chris, Noel, Drew, John, Jason, and Siafik. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. And I really do truly think we're breaking formats way faster because of the Discord. Like just seeing access to everybody's 3-0 decks and like an easy place to talk to people whose opinions you know and respect and trust. Like I feel like I have a very good handle on Ultimate Masters. 
my last trophy, red, green aggro, I would not have gotten without talking with Ryan Sachs and seeing other people in the discord talking about red, green aggro court of calls in there. Their discussion on that helped me figure out how to draft my last deck. And I just three owed as a result of the discord existing. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I would totally agree with that. So if you want to get in on that action, you know where to go. All right, so I think a good place to maybe start off our conversations today is to take a look at a couple roundtables, maybe some drafts that we've done over the past weekend and see where that that led us to some card evaluations, putting cards in the arena, if you will. Yeah, I've got one right here. You want to take a seat? Let's do it. All right, pack one, pick one. You see the following cards in contention. Thermo Alchemist, one in red for the O3 Defender. Tap deal damage to each opponent. And when you cast an instant or sorcery spell, untap Thermo Alchemist. Wild Hunger, two and a green for the instant. Target creature gets plus three, plus one, and gains trample until end of turn. Has flashback for three and a red. We sort of made fun of this card a little bit, but it is the real deal. And right now, I'm going to go ahead and apologize to Red Green. <laughs> it's a real deck, and you should you should draft it. It's 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 a tough deck. Uh, Seder Wayfinder, also in contention. One and a green for the one one. When ETBs reveal the top four of your library, you can put a land from among them into your hand. Put the rest into your graveyard. Emancipation Angel. One white, white for the 3-3 flyer. When ETBs return a permanent you control to your hand, just the wind. One on a blue for an instant return target creature to its owner's hand and has a madness cost of a single blue. And your rare is Desolate Lighthouse tapped at a colorless and also has one red, blue, tap, draw a card, discard a card. So I think before drafting this format, I would have taken Emancipation Angel out of the pack just because it's so strong. Like, I think it's the most, maybe most powerful card in the pack, quote unquote, for limited. But it doesn't really fit into an archetype very nicely. Like, it feels like it's kind of counterintuitive to what the heroic decks are trying to do. Like, you don't really want to bounce stuff. Though I guess you may want to bounce, you could bounce an aura to like re-trigger heroic. But I haven't, spoiler alert, I don't think you or I have really drafted the white heroic decks yet. Because one, I think they, they feel pretty overdrafted, at least in the phantom queues on Magic Online. I've done it once and that was enough for me. The deck felt, su- I had a good version of it and it felt super clunky and I was just praying my opponents never had interaction. Yeah, which, you know, is not the worst prayer to have because removal is few and far between here. It looks good removal. Um, so I think now having drafted the format, I really would like taking Thermo Alchemist here because it is such a house in blue red spells and you can also play it in red black too. Like it's just so good and getting multiple multiples of them is so good and not super difficult. And I think maybe I also would have thought Seder Wayfinder was a little better. That card is a little worse than I think you and I thought it was last week. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, So I think I'm on Alchemist here. That is what I landed on as well. I think that card is just fantastic in multiples and picking them up early means you're more likely to get multiples. Mm -hmm. Moving on to pack one, pick two, you see the following cards as options. Stitch Drake, one blue blue for the three, four as an additional cost to cast it. Exile a creature card from your graveyard and it also has flying. Deranged Assistant, one and a blue for the 1-1. One, one. Tap, put the top card of your library into your graveyard. Add a colorless mana to your mana pool. Mad Prophet, three and a red for the 2-2. Two, two. Haste, tap, discard a card, draw a card. Penumbra Worm, five green green for the 6-6 six, six Trample. When it dies, put a 6-6 six, six Black Worm creature token with Trample onto the battlefield. And Celestial Colonnade is your rare. Uh, blue-white dual land that ETB's tapped, and you can pay three blue-white to make it into a 4-4 four, four Flying Angel Vigilance creature, or maybe Elemental creature. This is pretty tough. Like... If this were pack one, pick one, I think I'd take Colonnade. I agree. And I kind of feel like that's what you're supposed to do here. Like Mad Prophet is great. And I think I would have thought last week that Deranged Assistant was better than Mad Prophet, but I don't think that to be the case. I mean, I like both cards very much, but Mad Prophet has just skyrocketed in my pick order. It's such a huge enabler for the red black sacrifice deck or slash madness deck. It's really good in red green. It's just like a must answer threat when your opponent plays it because them getting one to have synergy with madness cards, but two to be able to filter through their draws is like just really, really powerful. But I think you're going to make playables like almost all the time in this format. And if you get to play a deck where you can use colonnade either as fixing slash as a creature land, I think I'm in for that. So I think I might take colonnade here. Yeah, I think in reviewing this draft, I think now where I'm at in the format, I would take Colonnade as well. I'm starting to value fixing and duels a lot more higher because they open up avenues and options for you. And I think having options is one of the best things you can do for yourself in this format. Agreed. So should have taken Colonnade, but I ended up taking Mad Profit there. So we've got Thermo Alchemist and Colonnade in the pile, sort of in our imaginary pile now. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to pack one, pick three. See the following cards as options. Think twice, one in a blue instant draw card has flashback for two in a blue. Rune snag, one in a blue for an instant counter target spell unless its controller pays two, plus an additional two for each card named Rune snag in your graveyard. 
Dreamscape Artist, one and a blue for the one one. Pay two and a blue, tap, discard a card, sacrifice a land, and search your library for two basic lands and put them on the battlefield. So essentially you're discarding a card and turning it into casting a harrow. Another Mad Prophet, three and a red for the 2-2 haste, but lets you rummage. And your rare is All is Dust, seven mana, tribal sorcery Eldrazi. Each player sacrifices all colored permanents he or she controls. All right, so am I supposed to take this pick having taken Celestial Colonnade or having Mad Prophet? Well, let's go, let's go down the Mad Prophet route since that's what I took. So you've, you've got an Alchemist and a Mad Prophet. Then I would follow it up with another Mad Prophet. I think that's that seems pretty clear to me. All is Dust is not exciting to me. It seems like it's too hard to make it work. Yeah, so I, I did take All is Dust here. I think this is where you and I are different on Mad Prophet. I'm a little lower on it than you are. Like I've got it as like maybe the fourth or fifth best red common. I think Faithless Looting is a little bit better than it. I don't really want two of them why like it's, it fills up your four drop slot in a hurry and it's pretty clunky four mana for a two two is not a great rate oftentimes you can't take advantage of the rummage the turn you cast it because you're tapping out on turn four so it doesn't really have haste wait what do you mean you can't take advantage of the rummage like you can't madness it but that's like saying looting is bad but it's not looting though it's rummaging so that's significantly worse than looting on turn four i think yeah i don't i mean you can just discard your other mad profit to it if you're worried about having multiples of them <laughs> like <laughs> no sure no kappa yeah I, I really i think you're undervaluing this card i have it as the second best red common okay so you're slamming a second mad profit here i took all his dust i think that just is a powerful card that seemed sweet to building around at the time to me that's fair Moving on to pack one, pick four. See the following cards as options. Faithless Looting, single red for the sorcery. Draw two cards, discard two cards, and has flashback for two and a red. Urban Evolution, three blue green for the sorcery. Draw three, and you can play an additional land this turn. And Stinger Fling Spider, four and a green for two five reach. When it enters the battlefield, destroy target creature with flying. And there's also a Fire Ice in the pack. Fire does two damage divided any way you choose among creatures or players for one and a red. And ice taps a permanent, lets you draw a card for one and a blue at instant speed. Um, yeah, I mean, if I'm on red card, red card, red card, I would take Faithless Looting here pretty happily. Yeah, I was thinking that like I didn't really have any madness shenanigans going on yet. And after picking all as dust, Stinger Fling Spider seemed like it went in a controlling build. So I was thinking maybe I could land in some sort of a controlling all as dust deck. That's where my brain was at at the moment. Yeah, I think there's a lot of... It feels like at least a common, especially in red black, like there's a lot of cards with madness and especially something like Grave Scrabbler, which is like a four mana two two. But if you pay it for its madness cost at one and a black, you get to return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. I think that I have often found like I want to make sure I have the discard outlets first before I have cards like that. Like they just make so many other cards so much better, like Reckless Worm or Twins of Morrow Estate or, or Grave Scrabbler. I think that I would just want to pick up as many outlets like that because that feels like it then leads down more flexible paths in the future right and that's one of the things we're going to talk about for how to how to draft this format you're supposed to i think you're supposed to draft cards that make the cards around them better and those discard outlets certainly do do that i was just on the wavelength of all as dust and drafting some sweet magnificent control deck i want do you think that maybe urban evolution is better in that deck then uh no because stinger fling spider is a two for one and a brick wall well it's a two for one especially if you have uh have defy gravity in your hand oh yeah <laughs> that's going deep that is some deep action. I got to live that dream this weekend. Uh, so no, I, I'm fine with Stinger Fling Spider. I think card advantage is fairly easy to come by in this format if you want it. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so moving on to pack one, pick five. There's not a ton of like decisions to go down here because we're going down different routes. So I'm just going to sort of illustrate how the rest of the draft went. So I took an Ulamog's Crusher. Uh, again, living my all is dust dream. I had just lost like an Ulamog's Crusher reanimate deck. So I had a little bit of a, a crush on that card. <laughs> then a pick six Souls Fire out of a very weak pack. Pick seven Resurrection, thinking maybe I was going to do some Ulamog's Crushing reanimation dreams. Pick eight Cathodian out of a very weak pack. That's the three mana, three, three that when it dies, you add three colorless mana to your mana pool. That card has just been fine. Like, yeah, it's that's a pretty big creature for three mana in this format. Yeah, I agree. Creatures are not huge, ex with the exception of like, there's some 4-4s four running around and some 5-5 five five tramples, or just like a 5-5 five five Gurmag Angler. But yeah, I've not been sad to have Cathodian just as a filler card, a blocker, especially in my more controlling decks. And then pick nine, I wheeled Wild Hunger, which was a huge signal. And I ended up jamming Red Green Aggro, which we are going to talk about in just a little bit. So we'll break that deck down and how to draft it for you. But wheeling that Wild Hunger is how I got into that deck. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that sort of rewarded for like not going all in on anything to sort of like dipping your toe in multiple archetypes and then realizing what was open. Because like we said, I don't think you're going to be short playables if you find the open lane. All right. Well, I've got a roundtable for you, good sir. Would you like to take a seat? Let's do it. All right. So pack one, pick one. You see a pretty stacked pack. You got a last gasp. That's one on a black for the instant target creature gets minus three, minus three until end of turn. There's an ether snipe, five and a blue for the four, four. When it ETBs, you return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand and it has a voke for one blue, blue. There's a prismatic lens. That's a two mana mana rock taps for a colorless man, or you can pay one to tap and add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Moan of the Unhallowed, two black black for a sorcery, put two 2-2 two, two zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield and has flashback for seven mana. Garn of the Blood Flame, back from my homeland of Dominaria, three black red for the 3-3. Three, three. It has flash, other creatures you control have haste, and when it ETBs, you return to your hand all creature cards in your graveyard that were put there from anywhere this turn. And your rare is Dig Through Time, six blue blue for the instant with Delve. Let's you look at the top seven cards of your library, put two of them into your hand, and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Yeah, this is medium close for me between last gasp and dig through time. I think I would rule out all the other cards fairly quickly. I think dig through time just gets there on raw power level. I think this is fairly close with treasure cruise, but a significant notch above and very powerful could lead to you drafting a controlling combo ish deck, which is exciting. Uh, so I think I'd start off with a dig through time here. Yeah, I think dig through time is great. We I had dig through time versus Talrand on stream the other day, and I if it was after drafting this deck and seeing how good dig through time was for me here, that I think maybe I also felt like this card is great. But it feels like two gradations, a full letter grade, better than Treasure Cruise to me. Yeah, I think I'd be on. I we talked on stream. I'd be on Talrand on that other pick, but it's it's fairly close. Um, so we're both grabbing dig here. Moving on to pack one, pick two. You got a wild mongrel. That's one in a green for the two, two. Discard a card. It gets plus and plus one and gain and becomes the color of your choice until end of turn. Travel preparations. One in a green for the sorcery. Put a plus and plus one counter on each of up to two target creatures. It has flashback for one and a white. There's a frantic search as the only blue card. Two and a blue for the instant. Draw two cards, then discard two cards. Untap up to three lands. And your rare is Gamble. Single red for a sorcery. Search your library for a card. Put that card into your hand. Discard a card at random. Then shuffle your library. So Duncan, Old Metal Ship, the uh, local game shop owner where you're at, has made me fall in love with Gamble. I wasn't going to play it in one of my decks, and it was just outstanding in this super dirtily control deck I had. <laughs> I think being able to search up any card and like there's madness synergy there. And I don't think dis- and sometimes you're searching up a card that's got flashbacks. So you're definitely going to get the card you want. Like I had Rolling Tembler in my deck, which I think is a huge silver bullet in this format. Mm-hmm. Gambles just felt great to me. I don't know that I would be brave enough to second pick it here. Um, so I, I would be between Wild Mongrel, Travel Prep and Gamble. Although Frantic Search is a good card. It's, it just feels a little early to be picking it up here. I think Ultimately, I would land on Wild Mongrel over Travel Preparations. I think Travel Preparations is a better card, but I think it's a lot narrower than Wild Mongrel. So I think Wild Mongrel keeps more avenues open for me, which is what I'm interested in. Yeah, I think in retrospect, I should have taken Gamble. Like, it seems really powerful. And like you said, there's not really a huge drawback for it. And Red Blue, if I get to play it, like Red Blue is a great deck. The thing is, like, Travel Preparations might be the most powerful card in the pack, but I don't want to be green-white. Yes, agreed. <laughs> it's sort of tough. And I think this was maybe I even had that thought during this draft of like, well, like, do I like if I want if I end up in green, white, then I'll have like the best card in that deck. But do I want to do that? Probably not. So I think taking travel prep here was a mistake and I probably should have taken gamble. But anyway, moving on. Uh, pack one, pick three. You see Terramorphic Expanse, a.k.a. the Skittering Surveyor of this format. That's the land that you can tap, sacrifice it to search up a basic land, put it onto the battlefield, tap, then shuffle your library. There's an unburial rights, four and a black for the sorcery, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield with flashback three and white. And that's about it, right? I think it's just between those two cards. Yeah, I agree. There's there's nothing else pulling me in any other direction. Terramorphic Expanse is great. I think you're supposed to pick it super highly. Unfortunately, unburial rights is busted enough that I would take unburial rights here, but I am all about the Terramorphic Expanse Express. I agree, but I did grab unburial rights here. I was pretty happy about that. Moving on to pack one, pick four, following cards as options. There's a Gurmag Angler, that's six and a black for the five-five with Delve. 
There's Vessel of Endless Rest for some more fixing. Three mana for the mana rock that, that can tap for one mana of any color. And has relevant ETB text. You put target card from a graveyard on the bottom of its owner's library. Not a May ability. Important to know. Not a May ability. Fire Ice is also in the pack. That's the split card we had from Ben's Roundtable. And Boneyard Worm, one in a green for the star star. Its power and toughness are each equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Yeah, this is a tough pick. I think if you had taken Gamble, you're taking Fire Ice here. Yes. As it stands, so we've got in our pile, we've got Dig Through Time, Travel Prep, and Unburial Rights. Right. I think, you know, after taking Unburial Rights, Dig Through Time is going to let you see a lot of cards. I think Boneyard Worm is interesting to take a flyer on here. It's really powerful if you end up in a green-based graveyard deck. Nothing else is really a standout card in any archetype. So you're just trying to poke down different paths, I think, and try to feel out what sort of archetype you can fall into. Yeah, I was thinking that, like, we could still just be like green, blue, XX with Boneyard Worm and then we're like splashing rights and stuff. And I think Boneyard Worm is best in a green, blue deck to be able to like churn through your library, that sort of thing. So that's what I grabbed here. But, you know, not super confident that one, that that card is going to be good in my deck and two, that that's where I'm going to end up. Uh, pack one, pick five. Got some spicy stuff. There's a think twice. It's the draw card with flashback spell. Seder Wayfinder, one in a green for the one, one ETBs. You look at the top four cards of your library, put a land card from among them into your hand and the rest into the graveyard. Another Ether Snipe, a Penumbra Worm. That's the seven mana, six, six trample that when it dies, you get a six, six trampler. And Magma, three red, red for the four, four. Pay one, sack a non-land permanent. Magma deals one damage to target creature or player. Yeah, this is interesting. It's between Seder Wayfinder and Penumbra Worm for me with what we've got so far. Penumbra Worm's interesting because it's a good reanimate target for Unburial Rites. But I think... Ulamog's Crusher might even be a better reanimate card for that archetype. So a Seder Wayfinder just seems like a dream with what you've got so far. It fills the graveyard for Boneyard Worm. Unburial Rites has flashback. Travel Prep has flashback. And it's going to fuel Delve for Dig Through Time. So it's literally it's got synergy with all four of the cards you have in your pile already. So I think I would nab Seder Wayfinder here. Yeah, I agree. And that's what I did. Um, Moving on down the draft, there's, you know, not much to speak of. I think we'll just sort of like go through we, we are going to end up with a, a blue green value deck here but it's not going to be super evident from from what we get at the end of this pack pick up a brawn next which is a three and a green for a three three with trample but as long as it's in your graveyard and you control a forest creatures you control have trample so again i felt like that had synergy with my graveyard shenanigans the problem is is that creatures are mostly small and all the creatures that are big usually have trample like i guess this is just good with ulamog's crusher but other than that i haven't found like the penumbra worm already has trample so I'm like, why do I need my tutus to have trample? Right. Then I grabbed a Vessel of Endless Rest. That's the Manolith variant next. Just figuring out, like, maybe I want to splish splash around. Pick eight. I get an Aether Snipe. And, uh, and then I'm picking up, like, Rune Snag and some, like, little green creatures. And I did end up getting a pretty sweet, like, blue-green base multicolor deck that I think, like, has a lot of game if you pick up the Kodama's Reaches and Terramorphic Expanses or Dreamscape Artists, like... I will talk about this archetype in a little bit, but it sort of feels like the gate deck for me a little bit from GRN. Like if no archetype is sort of like presenting itself to you, this is a pretty easy archetype to back into. Yeah, that makes absolute sense to me. I have not gotten to draft it yet. I think mostly because I'm taking Wild Mongrel over Kadama's Reach right now, but that, that may change as the format goes on. Yeah, I'm just much, this format doesn't seem fast enough to me that I have to draft aggro decks. And so I'm much more interested in drafting like the sweet Dirtle decks. Surprise to no one. So let's get some general thoughts on the format. It's super sweet. Like I'm having such a blast drafting this. And I feel like we had a pretty big leg up this weekend about what to do in the format because of the crash course. Yeah, that between that and the discord, I felt like I went back. We were trying to find draft logs for this episode and I went back and looked at my first draft. And normally when I look at my first draft, I'm like, I would change a few of these picks. I went pick for pick with myself through pack one, which was nice. So what do you feel about the speed of this format? I think it's medium speed. I mean, there are blisteringly fast decks. I've played a mono red deck that like almost killed me dead like several times and I barely eked it out because I had rolling Temblor in my deck, which I think is a super good card in this format because it kills those strategies pretty hard. Uh, Red green hits really, really hard and needs to be respected. White red heroic. I mean, I think there are 
good focused aggro decks. And I'm not even sure that people have figured out how to draft them really well yet. Um, Arena Athlete is a pretty key card, I think, and a pretty scary card in those decks. That's the 2-1 that has heroic when you target it. Target creature can't block this turn. So I don't know. I, I think you where I'm at right now is I either want to be playing like red green aggro or I want to have a control deck with a plan to beat aggro decks. Yeah, I think rolling Templar is kind of key there. I think there's a lot of incidental life gain as well that helps out in that department. I think also persist creatures help out in that department. I think the heroic menace doesn't seem to be the menace that we thought it was going to be. No, heroic feels really bad to me. Like playing Wingsteed Rider on turn three and then suiting it up with a Boar Umbra or something is just not a winning strategy in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it can win for sure, but it also doesn't feel like it's impossible to have an answer for it. No, not at all. Yeah, I think that most of my games have been really like kind of grindy and interactive, like a lot of decisions even though there's not maybe a ton of interaction in terms of cards, like, you know, removal isn't very good, but there is, I just feel, do feel like you have a lot of decision points and there's a lot of like operating in instant speed because of madness. It just, the games feel really complex to me. Yeah, I agree. Madness and ha- your opponents have open mana up frequently, or you as the player with a sweet deck have open mana up frequently and you have just have a lot of decisions when that's the case, when you're operating at instant speed. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Any feel for like best colors yet? Yeah, I think red is the strongest color by a fair margin. After that, I don't really have strong opinions, but I've really, when given the opportunity, tried to position myself in red. I think red's got the best commons and I think it's got super deep commons. Um, So Fiery Temper 1, Thermo Alchemist 2, Faithless Looting or Mad Prophet, you know, tied for third, depending on if you're me or you. And then like Soul's Fire is good. Hissing Iguanar is a very good player in the deck that it goes in. Reckless Worm. Reckless Worm. Yeah, God, man, they're so deep. Yeah. Yeah, Red's Commons are very, very, very deep. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I would I would put blue as second best just because I like all four blue decks, I think, a fair m- amount. And I think while blue doesn't maybe have like the complete package, they, they sort of talked about that on LR last week, and I really agreed with that about how like blue's strong, but it's a lot of like enablers not a lot of payoffs like it helps support a lot of archetypes but all four blue decks i think are, are good decks as well and then the other thing is i've, I've been sort of trying to steer away from white a little bit because it feels it feels like the least uh flexible of the colors like either you're doing a white heroic deck which is not something i sort of want to be doing after doing it once or twice like i'm not particularly interested in it i'll do it if it's what my seat's supposed to be doing but i don't want to go down that route and then you know, you, there's also the resurrection thing, which is great. But again, like, I think those are really the only two things that White's really doing, unless I've drastically missed some deck that's in there. So it feels one of the things I enjoy about this format when I'm drafting is just like, okay, maybe I'll go down this path. And I feel like I don't have as many paths to travel down when I start in White. The other problem I have with the White heroic decks, and I, I know that uh, you and I haven't really had a lot of experience with them, um, but I do think people are, you know, Ryan Sachs tweeted, I think, after his third or fourth trophy that like all of his decks have been white based strategies but only one of them had been a real like aggro deck like he drafted like a mardu control deck anyway but i think that in a format where there's so much value to be had it's hard for me to want to like go tall and pray or go wide and pray you know like you have to have sort of like the perfect sequence of draws for an aggro deck and if you don't any sort of like mid-range to control deck is going to have all the pieces to like out card advantage you outvalue you so it just that doesn't feel good to me to draft that kind of deck i feel like i'm just missing out on so much sweet power in this format yeah i i agree with that um so you got some bullet points here about how to approach drafting this format in the big picture Yeah, Uh, just like general things to keep in mind if you've not done drafts yet or maybe you've only done two. This is sort of how I'm trying to approach it, things I'm keeping in mind. And one is obviously still bread, take bombs first. And then I'm really trying to value cards that are good in multiple archetypes pretty highly. Uh, And maybe the rest of these points aren't in order of like what you're supposed to pick cards, just like general principles to keep in mind while you're drafting the set. But value cards that are good in multiple archetypes. So a card like Faithless Looting, for example, is great in red, black is great in red blue you'll play it in red green sometimes if you've got a lot of reckless worms or other things floating around and is great in red white reanimator so there's like a color pair that pairs with red in every other color where faithless looting is good so just cards like that go way up in value and i think 
you really want to try to take cards that raise the value of cards around them. So like if you look at cards individually in this format, they really are sort of flat in power level or like individually not super powerful. But if you can combine them in a deck that's really synergistic or has a goal or a plan, that really can raise the value of all the cards in your deck. So I think you're supposed to take like linchpins for archetypes or cards that pull up the other the other cards around them. So for example, Thermal Alchemist is I think a great example of this and why it's such a high pick for me. It makes every other spell you have in your deck better. So Think Twice is already a pretty good card. And then as soon as you have Thermal Alchemist, you tack deal a damage onto Think Twice, which is great. So car- cards like that or Wild Mongrel like makes every card a discard outlet that's free, like Mad Prophet, for example, or Wild Mongrel makes every single card you have with the text madness on it way better, which I think is what you're ultimately trying to do in this draft format. Yeah, I think they're are just so many cool interactions. Like I, I wrote an article that I think people should check out for Cardsphere that has 20 interactions in, in this format to look out for. And I think getting your brain to start working that way as you look at these cards or like maybe before going into your next draft, like just pull up the full spoiler and go through and, and look at some cards, maybe just the commons and think about like, well, what makes this card better? Like if you look at Mere Servitor, for example, and if I can get four or five of those, that's the, the one mana one one that if it's on the battlefield at the beginning of your upkeep, you return all Mere Servitors from your graveyard to the battlefield. So what makes that card better? You know, we talked about some interactions with it last week. Um, other things like looking at a card like Faithless Looting or Wild Mongol. What makes that better? Cards with Flashback, cards with Madness. Like there's just a lot of ways to get incidental value or to raise up, as you're saying, raise up the power level of cards by combining them in those synergistic ways this really really rewards you building decks and building combinations during the draft rather than like finishing the draft and saying okay what do i got here so you've played with mirror servitor correct i did i play i want to talk about that card in a little bit but i, I did play a blue black deck with mirror servitor so i i want to just ask you right now because i have a crush on that card and i really want to draft that deck but i haven't gotten into it yet how highly are you picking the first mirror servitor i think the i think it's like i'm trying to remember Oh, you remember like when we were taking, uh, what was that one, two for a single blue mana that was like unblockable in Amonkhet? Slitherblade? So there was like a thing when you drafted that deck where like you knew that one, and there have been other cards like this, that this is just the first one that comes to mind, where like you knew that you had one from like pack one, right? Like you open up a pack and you're not taking Slitherblade first, you take something else, but you're aware that Slitherblade is there. And then you like see one pick six and you grab it then. And then your first one wheels. And then it feels like you're the person who's going to get them all. That's sort of how I feel about Mere Servitor. That like, I see one in my first pack, and then I'm going to pick one up like six or seventh in pack one. And if that other one wheels, I can like stake my claim as that drafter. Because it feels like after pack one, people shouldn't want that card, you know? Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. But I I really, I haven't been able to have that happen yet. But that's how I was trying to approach it. So that's good to know. Yeah, I don't think it's going to come up that often but i think when it does yeah and and so i drafted a blue black version of that deck with four of them i do think five is probably the sweet spot because like you need to have two of them you need to have drawn two of them to feel like you're really doing it so like with four i like always felt like i drew one but getting the second one wasn't always reliable and i felt like the deck was strong it was not hard for like combos with stitched or with uh yeah stitched apprentice or um blood flow connoisseur to get going i just ended up facing two decks that had uh main deck Rolling Templar, which was kind of a bummer. Card's so good. Yeah, the card just wrecks that strategy. Yeah. And then it's just some other things. I think you need to take premium removal super highly because it's really scarce. And I think interaction's great. So like cards like Last Gas, Face Fetters, Fiery Temper. Unholy Hunger. Yeah, Unholy Hunger, the one white destroy target tapped creature. What's that called? Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. Either. Swift Reckoning. Swift Reckoning. Saved it. There you go. I knew you had it in you. I think Terramorphic Expanse. And just fixing in general, like Kadama's Reach, maybe also you're supposed to take pretty highly, but especially Terramorphic Expanse, because there's going to be plenty of playables. So getting to play a land that fixes your mana and opens up options for you during the draft is just really powerful. I think that Manalith is main deckable too, if you're not uh, a super like focused aggressive deck. Oh yeah, I absolutely agree. That bottom a card from a graveyard is really relevant text that like getting rid of a card with flashback or getting rid of something if you're playing against a reanimator deck like that text i think is super super relevant yeah and then just during the course of the draft make sure you're really trying to draft a deck that has all its cards working together towards a cohesive strategy so at the end ryan and i were talking about this while i was streaming at the end of your draft you really want to be able to put a label on your deck like i drafted a madness deck that wants to go to the late game and win via card advantage or i drafted 
a red green aggro deck that really wants to be able to deal damage like in large chunks like 15 damage in a turn or 10 damage in a turn like your deck needs to have a very clear plan and the cards working together cohesively towards that plan yeah i totally agree i mean this is just a good lesson for limited in general but it feels like it's on steroids here totally agree with that totally agree i'm not surprised because it's a master set like we're feeling like it's very close to a cube of some sort so it it's not surprising that like really knowing what archetype you're drafting or what style of deck you're drafting by the end of the draft is important to have. But like, I think that if you start to do that for this format, like don't let that go when the next Ravnica set comes out. That should still be at the top of your list of priorities, I think. Well, and I think one of the things that's awesome about this draft format is that like previous master sets, like I can remember back to master sets where like every two color pair had like a very focused plan. Yes. Like blue, like blue, white was affinity and like red, white was whatever. Blue, green was graft or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those, I always resented those masters formats because I felt like it made everybody else better drafters than they were. And I think this set doesn't do that for you. Like, I think you have to put in the work to like figure out what sort of a deck you're drafting here. Well, this is sort of the general problem that people have with of formats like Ixalan that feel like once you identify your color pair, it's pretty easy. Or formats like Guild of Ravnica, like once you identify the guild that you're supposed to be, it's not that hard to draft a deck sometimes. But like, yeah, here it doesn't, aside from the heroic decks, even among the powerful archetypes like Red Black, there's a lot of different ways you can go. And do you lean heavier on the sacrifice theme or do you leave heavier on the madness theme? And there's just a lot of decisions to be made. All right. I think we should shift over to the top comments. Yeah, for sure. So we sort of already hinted at these a little bit. What do we what do you have for red? Because I think I'm a little different here. Red, I've got Fiery Temper one, Thermal Alchemist two and Faithless Looting three. And I think Fiery Temper goes in every red deck. Thermal Alchemist goes in blue, red black red maybe white red like if you've got a spell heavy version of that and i think faithless looting goes in blue red white red reanimate red black madness i think they're very very flexible yeah i have fiery temper one i have mad prophet two and faithless looting three just a nod to like three very flexible cards like i think those are going to go in all decks and be great in all red decks so you're not that high on Thermal Alchemist. I really like Thermal Alchemist a lot, but I think I'm taking Mad Prophet and Faithless Looting number one over it. Maybe not Faithless Looting. I'm definitely taking Mad Prophet over it. Oh, yeah, I am I am not there. No. Well, I, I hope you get there because uh, it's, it's correct. <laughs> so, you know, hashtag I'm with Ben, hashtag I'm with Ethan. Let's find out on the streets of yes, Twitter. Yes, please. Let's do. So th- so I've got Thermal Alchemist. So what are we hashtagging for Thermal Alchemist 2 if you're with like, me? What's the, sec- what's the second best... Red yeah. Common, is it Thermal yeah. Alchemist or is it Mad Prophet? I'm going to crush you on this one. Oh, okay. All right, well, we'll see. But as we said, Red's Commons are super deep. Like, we got a bunch of honorable mentions here. The Hissing Iguana, you were totally right about that card. That's the 3-1 that pings your opponent every time another creature dies. Reckless Worm, Lords of Limited, official preview card. That card is a lot better than I think we... Like, we thought that was going to be good, and it's just better, I think. There's so many ways to discard cards. And Soul's Fire has really impressed me. Yeah, I did not know that that could go to the face. And I think that totally changes red green. Yes. Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit, right? Um, so for black here, we've got last gasp, uh, number one. That's the one of the black given creature minus three, minus three until end of turn. That goes in all black decks, right? That's just like the most efficient removal. And because the creatures are generally small, it's pretty good. Uh, Unholy hunger, I think maybe people are sleeping on a little bit just because like they think it's clunky. It's also instant speed. Let's keep that in mind as well. This is the three black, black destroy a creature. And then if you have spell mastery, two or more instants or sorceries in your graveyard, you gain two life, uh, not irrelevant text. Again, going in all black decks, I think most black decks would be happy to have two of those, like just because removal is so scarce. And then I've got grave scrabbler at number three. That's the, the grave digger variant that you have to madness out. Um, that card's just super, super powerful. Like, yeah, you need to work for it because you don't want to just cast a four mana two, two, but I think the, the ways to enable that are there if you want them. And then you get this as a really strong payoff. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think I've been undervaluing that card and it, it is really powerful when yeah. you're madnessing it out. Mm-hmm. So cheap two mana two, two to get back a creature. It's crazy. Yeah. Black, I think also is pretty deep. Like there's a lot of good cards. They just sort of go in different archetypes, I think. But, you know, Twins of Morrow State, that's the three, five for five with madness for two and a black. That's going to be great in a lot of decks that, you know, Grave Scrabbler is going to be good in. Slum Reaper, I've been impressed by certainly main deck and also out of the board against some strategies. That's the four mana four, two that makes each player sacrifice a creature when it ETBs. 
Olivia's Dragoon, that's the two mana 2-2. Two, two. That's a free discard outlet as well to give it flying until end of turn. That's going to be a really great way to enable Twins and Grave Scrabbler. Moan of the Unhallowed, I have really liked this card. You know, I was I was pretty high on it last week when we were doing our crash course, and it has not disappointed me. It just happens that Black is also pretty deep at common, um, so that's the way to make two 2-2 two, two zombies and has flashback. Bloodflow Connoisseur, also really good. Good little engine for the red-black sacrifice deck. I have a question for you about the red-black deck. Yeah. Do you, do you think Furnace Celebration is good in that deck? I think it's a little too clunky. I think it's a little too clunky too, yeah, which makes me sad. The, the problem is that like Magma exists. Right. And that's just and like just Furnace Celebration in a, in like one package. It like gives you right. the sack outlet and the damage all in one. So you don't need yeah. Furnace Celebration. There's that sad little meme of the guy looking at Magma <laughs> with Furnace Celebration jealously looking back at the person. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on to blue, I've got Deranged Assistant number one. goes in pretty much every blue deck, I think. Uh, even blue-red, you'll play it, because I think a lot of times you want to dump spells into your graveyards there. Just the Wind, I want one to two copies of in every blue deck. That's number two. And I've got Rune Snag at number three. And again, I think you're just playing that in every single blue deck. Some honorable mentions going out to Frantic Search is very good if you've got any Madness or combo shenanigans going on. Treasure Cruise, I think you want one of in all your blue decks, maybe two. And Think Twice, I think, is a great role player in any blue-based spell-focused deck. Yeah, I think this list really hits home for me how blue is so good at, like, as a support color for other decks, but not really good at, like, a game plan. Like, it really has a lot of pieces. Like, hey, if you, do you want a ramp? Do you want some card advantage? Do you want a madness outlet? Do you want uh, counter magic? Do you want bounce? Like, I've got all that stuff. I don't really have, like, the ways to win games at common, but I've got all the like good fuel to help you win games with your other cards. Right, right. That makes sense. I think Frantic Search and Faithless Looting have never been better in a limited format. I absolutely agree. Like it feels so easy to not be down a card when you cast them. Uh, moving on to white, I think this is probably what we, you and I have the least experience with, but Wing Seed Rider does feel like the best common here. It's going great in all heroic decks and you might even play it, like depending on if you have like some... Uh, like a few ancillary ways to target creatures like in a non-focused heroic deck you could still play it like a three mana two two flyer that can become a three three flyer is nothing to sneeze at faith's fetters has been really impressive the like shutting off creatures abilities there's a lot of creatures with activated abilities in this format and i think faithless looting or faith's fetters really does a strong job of shutting those down and then I'm not sure about this. You have God's Willing at number three. I could see that being true, but maybe it's just Resurrection as a strong role player. Yeah, I don't know. Looking at this list, I'm just trying to reevaluate. I have played White a fair amount. Oh. I think Face Fetters might be number one mm -hmm. just because it is good in every White deck and it lets you go down like White Resurrection type routes. But Wing Seed Rider is sort of the backbone of the heroic deck. I don't know. That's close. That's sort of like the Healer's Hawk versus Luminous Bonds debate, I think. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in this format, I could see Face Fetters because options are so good. But I feel fairly confident about God's Willing at number three. Yeah, and Fate Setter is splashable too, which I think maybe boosts it up a little bit. Yeah, and then some honorable mentions going out to the Umbras in combination with heroic cards. Pilgrim that searches up an aura from your deck can go get face fetters, which is also a very good package in a controlling deck as well. Like just playing a three mana one two and knowing you can go get your removal spell is pretty sweet. Uh, it's very good against the aggro decks to go three turn three Pilgrim into turn four face fetters. And then Resurrection, I think, is pretty awesome at common. And I didn't really think Reanimation was a deck that existed at common. But after getting Ulamog's Crusher reanimated on me, I, I am a believer in common level reanimation. Yeah, I'm not sure it's a white black deck. I do think it's better suited in white blue based on what we talked about last week about like blues. What blue does in cube, at least for the reanimator deck is allows it to like turn through your deck to find the pieces you need. And I think it does that very well here, too. I agree. Lastly, we'll take a look at green. What do we have in green? I think Wild Mongrel at number one, Kadama's Reach at number two, and I could see those flopping. They're very close. Wild Mongrel goes, I think, in every green deck, which is why I've got it at number one. And Kadama's Reach really only wants to go in controlling decks like green, blue or green, black primarily or like a ramp type strategy. But I think you're playing Wild Mongrel even in those strategies as well. So I think it edges it out a little bit. And then Seder Wayfinder at number three is just such a great enabler for any deck that values the graveyard. And a lot of those are green based. And then some honorable mentions, Prey Upon has been backbreaking in the green-white auras deck. It's very, very good if you end up in green-white heroic. Uh, Hooting Mandrels has been impressive, delving it out early on turn four, maybe after a Seder Wayfinder or something. And Pulse of Marasa has actually been super sweet too. 
gaining six life is big game against the aggro decks and rebuying a key card is relevant in this format mm-hmm. and goes infinite with eternal witness if eternal witness keeps dying Ooh, yeah it does pretty sweet um so what are you at in terms of top archetypes right now like if you were gonna log off of this this sweet call here when we finish the episode and join a draft what are you hoping to find yourself into i think red x for me right now mm. i think red black's great uh, mostly I haven't drafted it yet, but I value your opinion a lot and you've said it's great. So I'm going to take your word for that. I have some couple trophies with blue red spells, which I know is great. If you've got three plus thermal alchemists, red, white reanimator is pretty appealing. I think red, white heroic is probably also a pretty good deck. And I've had some success with red, green beatdown uh, as we're going to outline in a little bit. So I think I'm looking to start red and I think any red archetype is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I did want to revisit uh, an archetype from last week, and I know you want to uh, have some apologies to make to Red Green. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about Blue Green because I kind of feel like we missed it, or at least my experience so far has been that we we kind of missed it a little bit. At least that it's not super based around graveyard strategies that much. Like that's part of it, but it's more what we said in terms of oh, maybe this is another possible archetype for this color pair, which is, I think it's just like blue, green, multicolor value. And I have felt like this is, as I said before, this is like the gate deck from GRN. It seems like when nothing is open, like if you end up with some Terramorphic expanses and some Kodama's reaches that then you can just take whatever. Yep, the world is your oyster. And that feels pretty good when, you know, the power level of the commons and some of the uncommons, to be fair, are, is flat. And then if you just get past or open some good rares, you just get to play them. And that feels really good, like because those rares or those few uncommons are going to be so much stronger than a lot of the stuff that other people are doing because it is, is such a synergy format. So let's remember that you do actually have more fixing. I think we were we were sort of like, well, there's not a lot of fixing because there's not the lands in, in the set that we're used to in these master sets. But there is fixing, especially in green blue. So there's Kodama's Reach. There's Dreamscape Artist. That's the blue creature that lets you cast Harrow. There's Prismatic Lens at Uncommon. There's Vessel of Endless Ranks. That's the, the Manolith card and Expanse. These are all good picks out of weak packs and you're going to see some weak packs because the power level is flat. Right. Especially when you don't have a direction like that's when the packs really look like, yes, oh, this is a terrible pack. But as soon as you have a plan, I think it's uh, it's rare to run into a pack where you can't find something that goes in your deck. Exactly. And I mean, this and this feels like a good plan to go into because you will then have many options. Um, the graveyard synergies are helpful, especially because you have these two drops in blue and green, Seder Wayfinder and Sultai Skullkeeper that are going to fuel your yard and help you affect the board early so you don't fall behind against aggressive decks. When you have the fixing, you can take Splashable Removal like Swift Reckoning or like Shriek Maw. You know, this is sort of like the classic blue-green deck. Like green is providing the rampant fixing, blue is providing the card draw, and you let the other colors provide the rest. Provide your bombs, provide your removal, whatever you need. I think this deck is really sweet. I've had a few versions of this so far, and it is one of the decks I most look forward to draft because I think it like really opens up all the packs for you. Yeah, sounds sweet. I have not gotten to do it yet, like I said, because I'm not taking Kadama's reach high enough, mm-hmm. but I am sure I will go down that route soon. So moving on to Red Green Beatdown again. I'm so sorry. I made so much fun of this deck and I got so I got so crushed. Uh, this is a very real deck in the format, and I think it's a Maybe not like tier one deck, but definitely tier 1.5. It's a scary deck. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as we outlined last week, I do think Wild Mongrel into Reckless Worm is like a core component of the deck. Like that's a great curve if you can get that. But there's a lot of other pieces to the deck that we missed that give it a lot of staying power and make it very threatening. So Reckless Charge goes in this deck. I think you probably want about two copies of Reckless Charge per deck. That's the single red target creature gets plus three plus oh and gains haste until end of turn. And it's got flashback for two and a red. Wild Hunger is a huge beating, which we noted, but it's an even bigger beating than we thought. That's the card that gives plus three plus one and trample and has flashback. Become Immense is insanely good in green red. Uh, that's the five and a green target creature gets plus six plus six at instant speed and has delve. Um, and those cards work in tandem with Arena Athlete. And when you target it, it makes one of your opponent's creatures unable to block this turn and Souls Fire. So essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to like land a become immense or a wild hunger or something, make your creature into like a six, seven powered trampler, and then souls fire your opponent's face for seven. And then they also have to deal with a trampler that's tough to block. 
Double Cleave can also do some work here, gives target creature double strike. So like the old Atarka red deck from Standard that used Pump like Titan Strength, Become Immense, and then Teamer Battle Rage was a key card there that gave double strike and trample if you had Ferocious. And so you're just trying to deal gigantic chunks of damage in one swing to your opponent. And I think that's really what Red Green is trying to do here as well. Um, So those are sort of the cards that we missed. And then you're just really trying to do that, like build up a turn, where you kill your opponent dead, like sort of feels like, is it in GRN? Like if they're at 15, like, what are you at? I think I can deal you 15 damage in one turn. This is deck is not for the faint of heart. You have to do a lot of math um, because you're you're really trying to do like 15 damage in one turn. And that's a lot of counting. And if the board's complex, uh, you really have to do a lot of figuring. Scuzzback Marauders is a fine curve topper in the deck. That's the five mana, five, two trample persist. And it lets you dome for five, which is with Soul's Fire, which is pretty important. And I've I found a single copy of Anger, uh, like if you have discard outlets like a Mad Prophet or something to p- put the Anger in your graveyard, a hasty Scuzzback Marauder or Reckless Worm or things like that does a lot of work. I agree. I sided in a copy of Anger in a red-black deck uh, that I trophied with, and it did a lot of work. Haste on everything is big game. Yeah. So red-green is the real deal, and I think it's it's like an aggro beatdown deck that's really trying to do a bunch of damage all at once with those combat tricks and arena athlete. Yeah, I haven't drafted this deck yet. It's definitely not my style, but I'm sure I will. And it's nice to know the pieces to look for. I have got, I did get wrecked by this deck. I got tend by a soul's fire with a, a Phoenix with two boar umbras on it. Holy cow. Yeah. When in the trophy deck in the finals that I, I was losing so hard. My opponent went turn one noble hierarch into turn two, put a boar umber on it. Oof. And then turn three, they put another boar umber on it. Oh. And I was just like super dead. And then I, on turn five, I had chump blocked it a couple times. And then on my arena athlete, I went reckless charge, reckless charge, souls fire, you attack you for eight. And I dealt my opponent 16 in one turn. Gross. That's incredible. Yeah. So it's like a combo deck. Yes. It's like a combo deck. Yeah. That's okay. So we, we definitely missed that for sure. Um, we talked about most of these. We got a, a pretty long list here of, of cards we wanted to, to touch on. Uh, but some of these that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, Conflagrate. It's a card that we were talking about in Discord um, that I've had in some trophy decks. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts about this. So this is the XX Red Sorcery deal X damage divided as you choose among any number of targets. And then has flashback for Red Red Discard X cards. I keep wanting to like it and it just seems too clunky to me. Like the front end is not a great deal and the back end is not a great deal because later in the game, I don't find myself having that many cards in the hand to discard. You need to draw more cards, dude. <laughs> have you ever have you ever thought about drawing cards it's great <laughs> i do like drawing cards yeah i don't know i think the like five mana deal two isn't the worst since creatures are mostly small and like it kills a lot of utility creatures and i have it as a flexible finisher slash something that plays well with uh other like discard outlets like you can discard it and then use it later with madness spell or whatever or just like dome your opponent for four like I don't know. Yeah, I've found that the card is not like a super high pick or anything, but I'm pretty happy to have one of them in my red decks. Interesting. Yeah. Miraculous Recovery is on. You've got this on here. What what do you want to talk about with this card? Yeah, I just think this card is very strong. It's instant speed. It combos with like the Eldrazi, like Emrakul. There's lots of sweet shenanigans you can do with the higher, uh, the higher rarity cards with Miraculous Recovery. And like, I just didn't really think about it, but it can really eat creatures in combat. Like if yeah. it's instant speed reanimate, your opponent doesn't see it coming maybe, or they attack into open mana. Attacking into open mana is dangerous <laughs> in this format. It's so dangerous, but you also can't not do it. Yeah, because they can punish you with card draw and things There's like that. There's just so many ways to do things at instant speed that I feel like you can just be like, all right, well, I'll do something else then. Right. Yeah, it's tough. So yeah, I just think it's a very powerful card. I think it's worth, it's splashable. I think it's worth splashing. It's just very, very solid. Rolling Templar, I gushed about a little bit, but I think that's really, really good in combination with Thermo Alchemist, uh, which is the O3, so it survives Rolling Templar. Rolling Templar does two damage to each creature without flying and then has flashback. It just kills so many decks dead. Like any aggro deck, if you cast Rolling Templar against them, they're just out of business. So many of the aggro decks rely on one, two toughness creatures. So I think it's a great card in this format. I think it's a high pick. I was not picking it highly in my first few drafts. And then after seeing it cast, I was thinking, wow, I need to start valuing that card higher. Yeah. And the sick thing is, is that it sits there in the graveyard with flashback and your opponent has to play around it. Like you don't even have to cast it a second time because they're having to be like, well, I can't like if I commit X number of X twos to the board, 
they're just going to get wiped out. So how do I do that? So they like have to hold things. It's just really such a powerful card. It, it's so cool to see cards like this. Like this was just fine in Innistrad and it's so good here. Right, right. Yeah, that's what's cool about this format. So many of the cards that are just like were good or okay in their formats are so much better in this format. Right, Mad Profit, way better than it was in, what was it, Avacyn Restored? Yeah, yeah. Card is absurd here. Uh, another one, Mystic Retrieval. I think this card looked kind of whatever to me, but I think there's a lot of nonsense to be had in this format. And I think the higher your nonsense level, the higher you're supposed to value Mystic Retrieval. But what do you mean by nonsense level? Like just... I don't know, drawing cards and reanimating or like flashback. There's no, yeah, there's flashback madness, just like keywords, like the number of sweet stuff you're trying to do. Mystic Retrieval helps that out because you can do things like gamble. And if you've got Mystic Retrieval, you know, you're getting the card that you gambled for at some point, regardless. I don't know. It just does so much. <laughs> yeah. The blue red spells deck. I mean, I've only had it once, but I had five creatures in it and I trophied with it like Blue red spells is re that's what it, it really means that you don't really need creatures. You need the alchemists and that's about it. Yep. Young Pyromancer also has been very impressive in any deck with spells. Mm -hmm. Bloodflow Connoisseur is another one I want to give a shout out to. Uh, I haven't played with this yet, but I've played against it and I've watched you play against it. It just does so much. It's such a tricky card and it's it's hard to anticipate. It just gives your opponent so many options it's great in combination with iguanar like you can really go off with a sacrifice deck but mm -hmm. just even a free sacrifice outlet with something like magmar or you know like the difference between paying one mana for magmar and it being free on Bloodflow connoisseur is huge mm -hmm. yeah for sure and there's just so many little things like you can have Molten Birth or Mona the Unhallowed for token makers to sacrifice to it. Or you can have Squee or Sanitarium Skeleton as ways to just infinitely, quote unquote, make counters on the Bloodflow Connoisseur. Like it can get out of hand in a hurry. And at a certain point, if you don't have like, you know, Unholy Hunger or Faith's Fetters, it, it's, it can get out of range of any way for you to one for one with it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Speaking of Molten Birth... That card is outstanding in some decks in this format. Mm -hmm. Like you're the and the sweet thing is in spells, especially like if you've got some thermal alchemists, you're thrilled to play one red red, make two one ones. And then if you win the coin flip, you just feel like a million bucks. Like yeah. it's so busted if you win the coin flip. I won the coin flip like five times in a row on stream the other day, and everyone in chat was like, Oh, card's bugged. Is that card bugged? Must be bugged. Yeah, I also had one where I flipped four times in a row and my opponent was pretty salty. Mm, but yeah. but again, when you lose the flip, you're just like, okay, that was still a good card. And when, when that's still a good card, like you're really happy with that card. Because right. in theory, you are playing a deck where you care about casting the spell or you care about the one ones or you care about the spell being in your graveyard or all three. Right. Yeah, yeah. What a cool synergistic format this is. It Yeah, it is sweet. Sounds like that's a good place to wrap it up. I've got two decks right now to go play. I've got one <laughs> sweet Naya reanimator deck that I'm really itching to play. And I've got the terrible pile I drafted in our Lords of Limited showdown to go finish out in the real queues. Yeah, so hopefully that'll be up by the time this episode goes live. We'll have our second installment of the Lords of Limited showdown videos brought to you by the fine folks over at Patreon. Thank you again for everyone helping us reach that stretch goal. These videos are super awesome to make, and I think it's really cool limited content out there. Yeah, it's a blast to make and to play games against you. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, well, yeah, I, I would like to go play some Ultimate Masters if that's all right with you. Yeah, let's do it. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give that a listen. The GRN Treasure Hunt is wrapped up, baby. Wrapped up like a little gift to put under the Christmas tree. Thank you all so much for everyone participating. We will get a list of our winners out to you next week, and we will have a date for the 15-hour stream over Ben's winter break for you as well. So you can mark your calendars, take off of work, call in sick, whatever you got to do. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can check us out on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware for me, twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome for Ben. We're under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can also tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later.
And now, 20 seconds of Ethan agreeing with Ben from just this episode. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm.